Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 28th, 2016, hurtling toward the end of the 2016 calendar year. It is Wednesday. It is Bowl Day for me. Bowl Day in Orlando, actually. Russell Athletic Bowl taking place over at Camping World Stadium uh, as Miami takes on West Virginia. You know where to get tickets for that, of course. Uh, you can, if you, if you don't know who, who, who advertises on this podcast, uh, you know, you know, I'm not going to say their name, their name right now, because 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 that would be free. But but you know, you you, you could probably get some tickets there. Uh, my team has a bowl game today. Northwestern. If you don't know, I am a big Northwestern fan. A big Northwestern writer too, actually. Uh, uh, Northwestern's playing Pittsburgh up at the Pinstripe Bowl in New York at Yankee Stadium. So big football day for me, big football day for Orlando. But most of us are focused, obviously, on the Orlando Magic getting back to action against the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday at the Amway Center, the last game for the Orlando Magic for the calendar year of 2016. Uh, we may do a year in review. I, I think I think we'll do a year in review some point later on this week on Locked on Magic as well as on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. But today's a special episode. You probably noticed uh, by the title in the in the in, in, when you downloaded the podcast, if you look at such things. This is a, a more extended conversation that I had about the Charlotte Hornets specifically and something that a few of our writers on OrlandoMagicDaily.com are interested in and something that, that I'm interested in too because the Charlotte Hornets have done something very neat, I think, and very interesting uh, for the last several years. The Hornets are one of those few teams that have really figured out how to build from the middle. And I'll explain a little bit about what I mean by that. When the Magic began their rebuild in 2012, uh, trading off to White Howard, they had two paths they could go by. you know. And in the long run, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to quote Stairway to Heaven. It, it didn't work. Uh, but the, the Magic had two ways they could go. They could try and bring in a star and remain relevant and try and, quote-unquote, get equal value for Dwight Howard, which was impossible, but so to speak, they could get equal value for Dwight Howard and move on from there and be happy making the playoffs and not really contending, or they could go the complete rebuild route. And, you know, frankly, I give the Magic a lot of credit because they've done a lot of rebuilding from the middle, trying to just stay relevant and make the playoffs, and they've always struggled to go from relevant to in to, to championship for a very long time. They had, they had one of the top five players in the world and couldn't get out of the first round. I mean, so it's not easy to build from the middle. And the Magic, I think, used that experience to decide, you know what, every time we've been successful, it's because we got the top pick. And the easiest way to get the top pick is to start from scratch and play the draft. And so the Magic opted to play the draft, and obviously we're here where we are now. What Charlotte did... Is a lot is is very interesting. To, interesting though. Charlotte had collected some nice draft picks. They had kind of tried to figure out some other things, but they never struck big 
on their draft picks. I think their highest draft pick was Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. They had Kemba Walker, who struggled for a few years. They gave him his extension, and then Walker just lit up. He blew up. They made the playoffs once as the in their final year as the Bobcats, and in that first year as the Hornets, they had playoff expectations and failed to meet them and struggled to, to get out of the basement, out of the lottery, essentially. And they came to a decision that summer that they were going to take some risks, take some calculated risks, and step forward. They traded for Nicholas Batum. They let Al Jeff- they, they had Al Jefferson, uh, but they kind of changed the way they, they, they went about things. And you look at Charlotte now, and Charlotte is a smashing success, I would say. Maybe not a smashing success, but they're a success. They made the playoffs last year. They, they tied for the three seed. They ended up sixth uh, because of tiebreakers. Lost in seven games to Miami. Had had games had an elimination game that to advance on their home floor uh, that you know some crazy fan decided to poke the bear with Dwayne Wade and and lost. But they they had a, had an extremely bright future. Kemba Walker's come back. He's played in All Star level. Steve Clifford, who Magic fans know very very well, is uh, a fantastic coach and he's done an amazing job there. They are in the thick of the Eastern Conference. Uh, race and not only in the thick of the Eastern Conference race, there was a time when it looked like they were pushing to crack that top four and maybe fight for uh, home court, possibly still can, and also fight for something much more. Charlotte is still a, an interesting team. They, they've got a, a really strong defensive identity. They've got Kemba Walker, who will be an all-star for the first time this year. I don't think there's any doubt he will make the Eastern Conference All-Star team this year. They've got some solid players who just fill roles and and really work well together. But at the same time, there's something missing and perhaps, perhaps, there's a thought that this team doesn't quite have it to win a championship. And then, of course, that's kind of the next step they have to take. The point of all this being, there are multiple ways to rebuild. And even what Charlotte even proved is you can retool how you rebuild midstream. There, there isn't one way to go, and at a certain point, you got to push the envelope a little bit. The Hornets went through some bad times, but like the Magic kind of did, they pushed forward. Slowly but surely, they moved forward. They went after a free agent that they knew they could get. And he made a big impact. Al Jefferson was huge for that franchise. Got them into their first playoffs as the Charlotte Hornets. Or I got them into their second playoffs as a franchise and that last year as the Bobcats. And then they made some mistakes, but they didn't give up and they didn't panic. They stuck with it. They had a coach. They have a coach now, at least, who really galvanizes the team and gives them an identity. And that's something the Magic have been missing, frankly. But like Orlando, Orlando moved forward very slowly, but they were taking steps forward. And at a certain point, when they were kind of up against it, they took some calculated risks. Now, whether those risks work out the same way that the Hornets did is a completely different issue. And and again, whether, you know, Rob Hennigan has the same leeway that Rich Cho had and and, and also, you know, the, the Bobcats, Hornets, made it maybe a little bit quicker than the Magic did as well. But their rebuilds are very similar, and I do think Charlotte can be a model for what Orlando 
can try to be or how they can try to move forward or, or maybe even how they tried to move forward already. So with that in mind, with the Charlotte Hornets coming to town for the first time to, to close out the year, uh, I invited uh, Doug Branson of uh, Locked On Hornets and, and Hive Talk Live to come in and talk a little bit about the Charlotte Hornets. So in the next 30 or so minutes, uh, we chat we chat about how the Hornets built uh, their identity, their culture, as well as a little bit about the game and the two teams that are playing on Wednesday. So enjoy the conversation. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. And I am joined now by Doug Branson of Locked on Hornets and Hive Talk Live. As the uh, season's winding its way into toward the midpoint and the Magic taking on the Hornets on Wednesday, thought it was a good time to get together and chat with uh, with the division opponent. Doug, how, how are you doing today? I, I hope you're recovered from last night. Uh, well, we're doing our best. We had a cathartic <laughs> uh, podcast session this morning, talked some things out, got our feelings out in the open. Uh, I don't know how the fans are doing, uh, but they're 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 struggling as well after that tough loss to uh, the Eastern Conference bottom feeding Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, and, and Brooklyn seems to to pick off a few teams here and there, but but we're not going we're not here to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. We're here to talk about the Charlotte Hornets and, and the Orlando Magic. And you know, I think uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of really interesting ties between the two franchises uh, with with Steve Clifford. And a lot of his staff coming from those those '09 Finals teams. Uh, I've always been really impressed with what Charlotte does and 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 how they've developed their team. Uh, is this year like? Do, do you feel like Charlotte's kind of flown under the radar this year, or are they kind of still kind of scrambling and figuring out who who they are? Well, I think they know who they want to mm-hmm. be, and and the question is, can they get there? They want to be a team that is defined by defense and they're they are not a physically imposing team in terms of size or strength or really even athleticism a lot of skill on this team a lot of shooting and passing but they still want to be a defensively physical team just in terms of effort they just haven't had the ability to get there now offensively last season we saw this team uh, shoot a ton of uh, three-point shots something that uh, wasn't part of this franchise for for many years but uh, suddenly, with the additions of Batum, Jeremy Lin last season, Courtney Lee helped with that as well, and then Kimba Walker's emergence, they became uh, identified by their three-point shooting. This season, that three-point shooting has been inconsistent, but has been there for them at times. Uh, but basically, this team loves to get to the paint, loves to get to the free-throw line. They don't turn the ball over a lot, and uh, they want to be, uh, in terms of defense, they want to play team defense because again they don't have you know shot blockers or physically imposing defenders they want to play as a team that's that's what their identity is they just have been inconsistent in in achieving that at times yeah and it seemed like charlotte was was getting ready to to, i mean it's been a weird season i think for charlotte for charlotte it it seemed like they were getting ready to kind of zoom up into that upper echelon in the east and and i think now they've kind of hit a little bit of of a rough of a rough patch Uh, i mean is that is that characterization correct for how the hornet season has gone so far 
Yeah, they started off really hot, got off to that uh, eight and three start and then dropped uh, four straight, uh, some brutal losses in there to New Orleans and then uh, Minnesota later on on at the beginning of December. Both of those overtime losses, games that they absolutely should have won. And then they got things back on track. Uh, you know, they Steve Clifford does a great job of motivating these guys and, and they have a lot of self motivators on this team as well. So they get th- they reel off three straight. And then they went through a tough stretch. That's what you have to know about the Hornets. They went through a tough schedule stretch where they went 33 days without two days rest. And we talked a lot about about this on the show. That's that's really tough because teams use that two days rest to get that, first of all, just to rest their bodies. But even more than that, that extra day of practice when you, you know, we talked to Nick Batum and Marvin Williams about this. When you have a team that that plays team defense where where again they don't have necessarily a a defensive leader or or you know an imposing shot blocker when you play team defense you need that extra day of practice to work out some of the kinks and and they finally got that and reeled off a couple more wins and but then uh, they've they've now struggled here against brooklyn and they're back to again not being uh physical on defense and not you know getting that first contact keeping players out of the paint uh, Steve Clifford talked about mono imano defense. That's what this team needs to work on, keeping keeping their man in front of them. I mean, it's it's really simple stuff, but a lot of it has to do with effort and want to. And the Hornets are trying to figure that out, right? Yeah, it sounds now. sounds sounds very similar to what the Magic have gone through. I mean, they didn't go through 33 days like like the Hornets did, but they had a stretch where they played, I think, eight games in 12 days, and you could really see the defensive slippage. And that's even with big shot blockers like Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo. So, I mean, it's it's difficult to maintain a high level of defense when you don't have the opportunity to kind of take a pause almost and, and, and reset the battery uh, just just a little bit. Um, to me, though, like, and this is, I think, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, uh, Charlotte is, is such an interesting case with how, how they've kind of built themselves up into, into you know, what I think is, is a pretty surefire playoff team uh, in the Eastern Conference, they 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 you know tried bottoming out and and didn't hit the lottery, and uh, they slowly kind of built themselves back up. They made the playoffs, they fell out of the playoffs, and they got back got back in, and and now they seem to have a really solid core of players that is going to keep them relevant for for some time. Uh, as Charlotte has gone through this rebuild, what what have been some of the challenges to kind of a lot of people call it kind of growing from the middle, but what, what have been some of the challenges for Charlotte in turning into this into this playoff team that they've become? Well, the challenge when you don't try to build by bottoming out and you know getting that that superstar draft pick or trying to at least is always going to be uh, you know looking to free agency when you're a small market team. It's always difficult. Uh, to to even get an audience with certain players, and so you have to be realistic about your expectations and find opportunities. The Hornets tried to do that with Gordon Hayward, uh, almost acquired Gordon Hayward before Utah matched, and and then eventually went after Lance Stevenson, and, and just trying to figure out sort of measured risks where you know that's what Lance Stevenson was. That was a it was a risk. And, and it didn't work out for the Hornets, but it was a measured risk. If you look at the contract, it was a contract that was going to be easy to move if things didn't work out. So they, they tried to make smart maneuvers. But I think the thing to understand about Charlotte's rebuild is that they went into this with a philosophy first 
and then they've stuck to that philosophy and found players that that match that philosophy. Now, what is that philosophy? Well, it all starts with the coach that they brought in, and Steve Clifford, who believes that uh, low turnovers, uh, great defensive rebounding, uh, getting to the free throw line, getting up three-point shots, four out, one in, that's the kind of basketball that, that wins in this league. And then they went out and found players that could execute that. And the kind of players they look for are, are consummate professionals. That's, that's the word on Nick Batum, on Marvin Williams, on Kimball Walker, MKG. These are guys that get to practice every day, stay late, come early, et cetera, et cetera, consummate professionals. Also, high basketball IQ. That's what they look for. They want smart basketball players. They want to have five players on the court at all times that know, A, where to be, and B, where to put the basketball. So all five players need to have an ability to pass, and and that's what Charlotte has finally acquired in, in this season. And now, what do you? The, here's another challenge. What do you sacrifice when you go out and find those players? Well, the Hornets have done a great job at finding skilled players, but they've sacrificed athleticism, and they've sacrificed physicality in terms of just raw, natural physicality. They've sacrificed that, and I think you're finally starting to see some of those uh, chickens come home to roost, at least in the middle of this season. They're going to have to find uh, that effort if they want to improve. But but that's really it, Philip. I mean, they, they, they got a philosophy together. They stuck with it. Rich Cho made incredibly smart trades. I mean, think about this. Nick Batum, as well as he's playing this year, he got the max contract in the offseason, traded to the Portland Trail Blazers for Gerald Henderson and Noah Vonley. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. a really good – that's a really good – Turner, I mean, that's a really good uh, get for, for those types of players. I mean, I know Magic fans probably overvalue Gerald Henderson because he has this this habit of torching the Magic every time he plays them. But, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, and it was, it seemed like at the time a really good risk for, for Charlotte to take considering where they were. I mean, I, I would imagine that summer, you know, the Hornets had made the playoffs year before, had fallen out of the playoffs uh, the that, that, that past season. That there, mm-hmm. you know, that that off season was there any wavering in 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 the plan and in the direction the team was going because it seemed like they were kind of starting and, and falling back, you know, taking a step forward and then taking another step back and not really taking moving forward like they have like they did last year and like like they seem to have this year. Yeah, they suffered in that first season back as the Hornets. They suffered some pretty brutal injuries uh, mm-hmm. to to key players, and so I think everyone recognized that, and then they also recognized that the Lance Stevenson experiment in Charlotte was not going to work. Unfortunately, Lance did everything I think that he was asked, but ultimately the, the fit just wasn't there on the court. And so they recognized those factors and said full steam ahead. And you, and you bring up a good point, Philip, that they, they do take risks and that's a key. And I, I think it's a smart maneuver for a small to mid market team because you're not going to have the audiences with the Kevin Durant's and the LaMarcus Aldridge's of the world. So you really do have to go out and do your research, do your homework. And general manager Rich Cho is great at this and go out and find the guys who maybe had a down year and find out why did they have that down year? Was it because they are truly on a decline or was it because of situation? And then take advantage of that this season, that's happening with Marco Bellinelli, who really struggled in his year in Sacramento. I thought the ball went to him far too much in Sacramento. They depended on him way too much for offense. And then defensively, 
it just it wasn't a focus in Sacramento. And so I think when the focus when the team's focus isn't on defense, Marco tends to to lay up. But he was a, a pretty good defensive player to average defensive player when he when he had his great years in San Antonio. So the Hornets organization took a look at all those situations and said, hey, with with our coach, Steve Clifford, who is a defensive minded coach who gets guys to play above their their normal level defensively, we could make Marco into, you know, we could get him back to the San Antonio years. And, you know, he's out with a sprained ankle right now, probably won't play against the Magic. But so far this season, it, it's it's really worked out. And his numbers are, are approaching uh, that first year in San Antonio when the Spurs went to the finals. And Marco was a huge piece of that. We've seen him uh, sort of reclaim his his ability to hit tough shots and to be a factor in the fourth quarter he plays uh, the entire fourth quarter so again it's doing your homework going out and finding those uh, low basically low buys and they might be a little risky uh, but the organization believes in the coaching staff and they believe in the professionals that they already have on the team and Kimball Walker and Nick Batum and Marvin Williams to bring those guys in and, and, and get them to coalesce around an idea, an underdog idea. So it's, it's worked out for the most part uh, for the Hornets, and, and, and I think it's an admirable way to build it. At least it's honorable. I mean, when you look yeah. at it in comparison to, to what's going on in Philadelphia, it's at least an honorable uh, way in terms of how you treat your fan base uh, sure. to build a franchise. Sure, and – and like I mean, I, I mean, and, and I, I'm close to the Magic. I mean, they've struggled to take that next step and, and get over the hump, but they've at least made progress each year of, of this rebuild. You know, for better or for worse. I know a lot. There, are, there's at least a portion of the Magic fan base that wishes that the Magic had maybe tanked another year to try and get that star in the draft. But the Magic said, you know, we've got this young core that we built, and we're going to keep getting better, and hopefully, this will be the year to to make the playoffs. I think where the Magic went wrong is perhaps in saying this is the year we're going to make the playoffs rather than kind of seeing how it goes naturally. But what I like about what- – Well, Philip, well, Philip, can, I, can sure. I ask you something? Because this is what I've always seen out of the Magic, and I've, I've criticized the Magic for this sure. in comparison to what the, the Hornets have done. Steve Clifford really – he loves mm-hmm. veterans, and, and that's why probably they've worked free agency more – and trades more so than the draft because uh, Steve Clifford just believes – Again, and bringing that high basketball IQ and veterans, and that you can't—it's tough to succeed with a young core, with young players, if they're not surrounded by veteran talent. That's one thing I've criticized the Magic for. I, I thought that they went to the draft over and over again, and they—they they had four, uh, you, you know, young players at all times that would probably be amazing on the Spurs or the Thunder or sure. or the Cavs as a fourth or fifth guy. Um, and they could have, they could have, uh, you know, grown into a star, but it's so tough when, when it's all young guys, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think that was something that was missing. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I said this at, at, at some point during last season before I had a podcast to, to, to have a visual, uh, a, audio you were just sitting, it. you were just, you were just sitting I in your ta- room, just talking, talking to your computer. Yeah, I was talking to my computer. I was talking <laughs> to friends. I was, you know, probably putting it on Twitter, but I really did feel like last year, the magic missed having a veteran in the starting lineup more than anything. They, it, it felt like, especially late in games, they didn't really know what to do or how to finish games, and they didn't have that guy to, 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 to kind of lead the way on the court. And, you know, they went out and signed a veteran in, like, Channing Fry. They had some veterans last year that, you know, just were 
you know, they, it's not that they were bad. It's not that they were not helpful. I mean, I think I'm sure they helped behind the scenes, but they were all just kind of quiet. And I think more than anything, what the Magic lacked was kind of veteran leadership. It was, you know, there's been so many games in the last four years where the Magic kind of lost it late in the game. And it was, uh, or they lost games that they really shouldn't be losing considering their talent level and especially their record. I mean, you look at, you look at their January last year when they, they went 2-12 and 12 in January, and that's essentially when they fell out of the playoff race. There was no one in that locker room, it seemed, who could just get get the team together and just kind of shout them all out and say, we gotta, we've got to fix this. This isn't on the coaches. It isn't on anyone else. We've got to fix this. It's about us. And no one seemed to take control of the team. And, you know, if I'm encouraged by anything, and then this is probably something that, something that you're a little familiar with, I— I think Bismack Biombo and Serge Ibaka seem to be doing that. I mean, before Friday's game against the Lakers, the Magic had given up at least 100 points in every single game since December 2nd, or December 4th, rather. So the Magic had really struggled defensively, which is not something anyone expected from a team that has Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo on the team, and even Aaron Gordon out on the perimeter. And they essentially said before the, before the game, in the huddle after starting lineups, Get into your man. We've got the rim. They went out and blocked nine shots in the first quarter, set the tone, and the Magic, you know, <clears throat> destroyed the Los Angeles Lakers 109 to 90. So they got, they held that team under 100. They went out and did it again Monday against Memphis with not, not the nine blocks in the first quarter thing, but played some really good defense against a good Memphis Grizzlies team and won that game running away, essentially. They, they led by 29 in that game and it was pretty much over after, you know, midway through the second quarter. So I, I do agree. I think. When, you, when you're building a young team, and this is probably a mistake Philadelphia has made for, for establishing their culture a little bit, when, when you're building a young team, you need veteran voices to keep players on the right track. You need veteran voices to kind of grab the team by, by the throat and, or by the shirt, shirt collar, perhaps, um, might be the better uh, analogy to use, and kind of carry them and show them the way both off the court and on the court. And So I do think that is a really important part of any team's development. Now, especially for, for young players to just kind of learn, oh, this is how you do things. And even on top of that, I think a coach reinforces that, and I think that's something the Magic have really were really missing before hiring Frank Vogel. Well, you know, Coach Clifford said after this loss to the uh, to the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Adi Joseph, a friend of, friend of our show, uh, writes for Sporting News, asked him about, you know, which players are, are going to step up and, 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 and lead this team and fix this, this situation. And Clifford basically said, to be determined. And so I think it says that it's not only, it's not good enough just to have veterans on your team. Someone has to have a little extra fire in their belly. And this team, again, full of professionals. They're very media savvy. They, they, don't, they don't share a lot in the media. They don't message a lot that way. So we don't know exactly what's going on, you know, behind the curtain. But there is a little bit of a, a lack of emotionality with this Charlotte Hornets team. And you wonder, they went out and found guys that were a little low key. Now, whether that was on purpose or not, that's, that's just who they are. And um, you just wonder if, if that's, you know, guy after guy bringing that, that kind of player in, if that's starting to have an effect on the team's ability to, to basically get up every night. That's that's been the issue, you know. Game these a game against Brooklyn in Brooklyn at the end of December. That's that's a team that good, you know, really good teams can can just get up for and and win. 
especially, you know, when you don't have a superstar. That's the thing. Like the Hornets and the Magic, too, don't have that superstar like LeBron James who can just say, all right, I'm going to put the team on my back tonight. I know everybody else doesn't have it. Let me get us there. You know, the, the Hornets don't have that player. And so it, it's got to be uh, a few guys, you know, rallying the team, and it's just not happening right now. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 an interesting point, too. Although, after watching that, that Kemba Walker All-Star video, uh, I, I'm not 100% sure that that isn't completely true. Uh, <laughs> you're right you're right you're right it, spencer it, hawes is a superstar yes, is. In, in singing uh theme songs you're right he's definitely if, a superstar if if to, to, to the magic fans if you have not seen kemble walker charlotte hornet ranger go youtube it right now it is it is some fine all-star marketing uh all-star it's all-star marketing at its finest um, i just can't i just way. i just imagine like anyone born you know, in the nine in the mid nineties, looking at that, being like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> like, it's such a it's such a niche play, but that's part of what makes it so awesome. Is that yes. they just oh, it's they took the risk and just went there. It's amazing. It's amazing. It, it really, it really, it it's it's the it's one of the finest pieces of all star marketing I've I've ever seen. Um, I, I mean, I think probably the best since Chris Bosh's used car salesman pitch when he was with Toronto. No, so good. Yeah, no, the Hornets marketing team is uh, very bueno when it comes to this. They did the uh, the Big Al Jefferson uh, yeah. paint can promotion. They did the MKG when they were trying to get Defensive Player of the Year, uh, his security. They made a whole website for it. I mean, they kind of go above and beyond. It's it's a fun thing. Yeah, and you gotta. I mean, you gotta have a little bit of fun with this because uh, Kem- Kemba's had a had a great season. I think I think he'll be an All Star this year. Uh, really. No doubt uh, in my mind that that he'll be an all star and and maybe push to to start perhaps if if he can get some popularity going there. Um, I mean, I think so. You know, you said Charlotte has some of those those that that, that leadership consistency issue. It's a long season. There's going to be ups and downs. You know, generally, I I don't think I'm too worried about Charlotte. I kind of you know with with the Memphis win, I've kind of said you know they're the Magic played really really well. But at the same time, day after Christmas games are always kind of like the first game of the season. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, almost. Uh, but Je- what what is Charlotte's outlook looking like as we head toward the midpoint of the season and begin to get really more serious about where teams are lining up in the playoff race? Well, it's interesting. The Hornets are tracking eerily close uh, to their progress last season. They were they were fourteen and ten um, at one point last season, fourteen and ten this season, and then now seventeen and thirteen. Sa- same kind of deal, and and generally the same time frame. And uh, last season, when they were seventeen and thirteen, they dropped uh, six straight games. So hopefully the Hornets uh, don't do that. And their schedule, when you look at it, they've got Orlando coming up, then Miami. The uh, Cleveland visits Charlotte, then Chicago, Oklahoma City, Detroit, San Antonio. So a couple of tough games, a couple of games that they could win. So, you know, they they should, uh, by the middle of January, be tracking ahead of of their uh, pace last season when they won 48 games. So that's good. But hold on, because they they reeled off six or seven straight wins in February and then in March they had five or six straight wins and so they they had a great back half of their schedule and and the schedule last season really helped them to that effect and it helps them this season in terms of dates like they don't they don't have another you know 33 game 33 days without two days rest or anything like that 
but they do have a, a seven game road trip in uh, end of February going into March and they have several uh, tough games to really end the season. So the schedule not going to be as kind. That's why they really need to pick up these wins now before they get into the all-star break. You know, I said 42, 43 wins at the beginning of the season. I, I haven't seen anything lately to, to, to bump me off of that. And that might not be good enough in this competitive Eastern conference. If a few teams make a run, that might not be good enough uh, to get to the playoffs. So, uh, the Hornets have to pick things up for sure. That's uh, that's you know frankly a little little surprising to me. I mean, I I, I know Charlotte's had some struggles, but uh, I'm still fairly confident what they can do. I mean, Magic fans know Steve Clifford. You know, a lot of that staff came from the 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 Magic's uh, title run. Of you know, we I, I we all have the utmost respect for for him and, and the job that he's done, and, and obviously he's brought a lot of that same defensive mentality to to Charlotte and the Hornets that that he helped foster with Stan Van Gundy here in Orlando. Um, what do you what are you looking forward to in, in Wednesday's game? What, what, what do you what do you want to see or, or what, what what should Magic fans be on the lookout for when it comes to the Hornets? Well, I, I want to see a bounce back game. I mean, especially yeah, from <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. And you know, physical inside, especially with uh, uh, Vucevic and uh, Abaka, they were able to do a great job on Abaka in in their last game. So love to see that continue because I know what. Uh, how big a factor Ibaka has been to the to the Orlando Magic offense, and uh, you know, here's what I'm here's what I'd like to ask about the the Orlando Magic though, because I, I think your the rotations are are so interesting because you I, I assume that DJ Augustine is still is still starting, but his minutes are starting to fade back in favor of Alfred Payton, and then you have Vucevic who's averaging 27.8 minutes per game, but he's coming off the bench. Uh, Aaron Gordon only averaging who starts is only averaging 26 minutes. Are they just is Vogel just getting ready to transform the rotations? What's what's going on there with the minutes? Not sure. Not sure. You know what what is a bench and what is a a starting unit there? Yeah, and I, I mean I think that's that's actually a question probably a lot of Magic fans have. Um, I think generally the way Vogel's approached his his rotation is he has. He's trying to find combinations that work more than maybe necessarily having a starter bench role. Uh, the, the reason they moved DJ Augustin and Bismack Biombo into the starting lineup was to create better balance between the two lineups. Like I think there was a, a push to bring Biombo into the starting lineup to, to bolster the defense, but you don't want to have Alfred Payton, Aaron Gordon, and Bismack Biombo in the same starting lineup because now you have three non-shooters out there and, and it's going to congest the paint. And so the idea was let's have Peyton playing more with Vucevic and Ibaka rather than playing with Biombo and Gordon uh, and try and create create space and opportunity. And it, it's had its ups and downs, and the Magic have been probably about 500 since they made the lineup change. But it's worked out pretty well overall. Peyton's played some extraordinary basketball. I mean, he's, he's just coming off a game – where he had 16 points and 7 assists. He had a 25.9 assist night on Friday against the Lakers. Uh, Gordon's beginning to find his rhythm as a 3. It's been a big adjustment for him to play on the perimeter a little bit more. Uh, he'll still have games where he disappears and doesn't do very much, and then you'll have games where he looks really, really good and, and is able to get a shot going, especially when he gets into a rhythm. He can he can be really dangerous out on the perimeter like he was uh, last night against Memphis. Um, he had 30 against the Grizzlies, uh, including 15 in the third quarter. Uh, but 
it's really about finding good lineup balance. And I think where those minutes kind of tail off or where they kind of deviate more dramatically is who he decides to play in crunch time. Like essentially Vucevic and Biombo play about the average about the same number of minutes. In fact, Vucevic I think is averaging Vucevic and Peyton are averaging about the same number of minutes that they were starters coming off the bench. Uh, so it's really just about okay, who's got it tonight? Who's the hot hand? What combination is working mm. against this team? Those are the guys that will get those extra five, six minutes at the end of the game to to go out and win it. And and it's just and that, been a different guy every night. And that's such an interesting contrast with Charlotte, where Steve Clifford believes in putting your best five guys out there in the starting unit. He likes to uh, open with defense and close with offense. So you'll see probably a, a slightly altered fourth quarter lineup. Maybe without Marco, they may go to Lamb for some extra offense in the fourth quarter. Uh, but in terms of his rotations, they play pretty solid because he's he, he loves to work in December and January to really solidify what will be his uh, late in the season into the playoffs rotation. So you don't see much much deviation despite – the issues that they have going on, I just don't expect him to make any significant changes to this lineup, especially because things are happening late. They're not happening uh, at the beginning of the game. The Hornets are doing a great job starting the game. They are uh, struggling with uh, three-point opportunities for the opposition, allowing a lot of three-pointers and not closing out hard enough. So I don't know what uh, Evan Fournier's status. I know he had a little bit of injury issue the past couple of games, couple of days. So, but you know, he's always a threat from the three-point line. Uh, Serge Ibaka making sure that whether it's Frank Kaminsky or Marvin Williams, that they are not overhelping and making sure that they get back to close out or someone rotates over uh, to defend him from the three-point line. And you know, because I, I feel like that if they can do that, they've been protecting the paint well enough that if they can just limit a few of these three-pointers, I mean, they allowed. Uh, Brooklyn to to knock down 15 of them on 15 of 31 I believe was the final tally there so that's just that's unacceptable you can't let teams teams do that to you so uh, hopefully the Hornets get that they've been great at bounce bouncing back they just haven't been great at maintaining that fire so uh, unfortunately for Magic fans they (laughs) they may be in for one of those token Hornets bounce back when I I saw the Hornets lost on a buzzer beater to the Nets I was like oh they're gonna come in they're gonna come in ready to play they're not gonna be they're not gonna be happy coming to coming to Orlando to play this game and and Hornets the Hornets obviously did a number on Orlando a few weeks ago not too long ago it feels like forever ago because the Magic seemed to change their identity and change uh, how they're playing every couple of games or so. So, you know, I, I go into every Magic game not knowing what to expect, to be honest. Like you said, like you said, uh, the Hornets may be struggling giving up three-pointers this year. I don't know if the Magic are going to be a good three-point shooting team night to night. They shot well Monday, you know, but how often is Aaron Gordon going to make 4-4 four four from beyond the arc? You know, how often is, I, I think Alfred Payton's made four of his last five three-pointers in games. How often is that going to happen? So, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I think the strategy with the Magic is to take your chances with the three-point line. You know, car, guard Fournier, guard uh, Ibaka, but with everyone else, kind of take your chances and, and see if they can beat you that way. And so, you know, maybe that's a strategy that plays into Charlotte's hands a little bit. Uh, it, it, a little bit this here's summer. the fi- here's the final thing I'm looking for, Philip. So we're we're 31 games into this, and this is part of the reason why maybe I am a little reticent to to mm-hmm. update my summer projections from 42 to 43 wins. Because we're 30-plus games into the season now, 
And the Hornets have played, first of all, they haven't beaten a great team. They haven't beaten Cleveland, Toronto, the Celtics, all teams that are hovering around them for those top four seeds haven't beaten one of those teams. But they have also yet to acquire a wire-to-wire victory. 48 minutes of great basketball. They've yet to do that, and they've played teams that they should have been able to accomplish that against. So I know that's a, a huge thing to ask for. Like, hey, I want you to play. I want you to wire to wire victory. Don't let them have the lead at all. But I think that's what this team needs. They need to prove that, and then they need to prove they can beat you know one of those top tier teams. But before you do that, you got to put away a team that you're supposed to put away. And so Absolutely. that's what the Hornets will be charged with uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, and that and that and I think Wednesday will be uh, an incredibly interesting game for that reason. Uh, the Hornets obviously, you know, probably have a, a talent advantage, probably have uh, certainly an experience advantage over a Magic team that's gone up and down but seems to be finding its way. Should be an exciting game over at the Amway Center on Wednesday. Uh, Doug, I want to I want to thank you for joining uh, Locked On Magic. Uh, it, you know, um, appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and talking a little bit about the Hornets. With us, uh, definitely very interesting team and, and a team that, uh, you know, the way they've approached things, I think, is, is definitely a model for how to how to rebuild and, and you know, get into into contention, at least for the playoffs and and, uh, and with some opportunity to, to continue advancing. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to watch the Hornets. You know, I, I'm always I've always been very intrigued with with how they've built and, and the work that they've done uh, in the last four or five years. Yes, this was very insightful. A great way to do a crossover podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Philip, just do me one favor. Just just take care of Bismack Biombo, okay? Just oh, love him. Love him like I loved him. And and just tell him <laughs> tell him that I said hello. That's all I just tell him I said I, hey. Okay. I, I will do that when I head when I head down to practice today. <laughs> Don't do that. He has no idea who I am, Philip. <laughs> You'll get fired. Don't do that. All right. Good talking to you, buddy. Good talking to you, Doug. Thanks. Our thanks again to Doug Branson of Locked On Hornets and Hive Talk Live. You can check them out by searching for Locked On Hornets on Audioboom and iTunes. A fantastic show. They actually do a live YouTube show, so check out Hive Talk Live as well. Uh, I think they're on holiday hiatus right now, so, so don't quote me on that. I don't know if they're doing an episode this week, but uh, if they are, be sure to check them out. They do a fantastic job, really well produced, actually, uh, and so I highly recommend them as well as the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. I can't say that enough. If the Magic aren't your bag, if the Hornets aren't your bag, any every every NBA team is covered by a daily podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, so just search iTunes or Audioboom. For your favorite team, Locked On, insert team name here. It's probably the Magic, you know, I would think so. And you can subscribe to those podcasts and download them and check out the archives, of course, as well. You can also check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Uh, Josh Lloyd, the form, uh, formerly of the Red Rock Fantasy Basketball Podcast, does a fantastic job recapping every game, pretty much. Even if you're not into fantasy basketball, Josh does a great job recapping the action around the league every every day, every day. Uh, he does do a fantasy perspective, and, and that certainly helps those who are in fantasy leagues. I know I had to make a move, and, and I used, I, I listened to him to, to get some advice on what to do about an injured player that I had on my fantasy team uh, and how to move forward with that. As I'm trying to, I'm trying to defend my third place crown. I don't, I don't need to win the whole thing. I just need to finish third again. I, I, I'm very happy uh, doing that, especially with the players that, that I have in, in, in our keeper league that I'm in. Uh, on top of all that, you can check out Locked On NBA. Uh, David Locke, who, who started this whole thing, does has some great content on there. He talks to an, an anonymous coach, an anonymous scout, uh, on occasion 
about goings-on around the league. Really insightful stuff, so I highly suggest putting that on your to-download list and subscribing to that podcast as well on iTunes and Audioboom. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Magic. I hope you enjoyed this conversation, a really interesting one. Always good to hear from an outside perspective, both on the Magic and about NBA life in general, though. The Hornets are definitely a team that the Magic want to model themselves after, both culturally with the way they've built on defense and certainly uh, results-wise with how they've made themselves a perennial playoff team. I have no, I had no doubt they were going to, they were going to compete for the playoffs again this year. Brought back a lot of the same guys from last year's team, which was really good and really kind of flew under the radar. Uh, Magic learned firsthand a few weeks ago just how good this Hornets team can be. They've they've struggled a little bit since then, uh, so it'll be an interesting game Wednesday at the Amway Center. Tip-off is at 7 p.m., the final game of the 2016 calendar year, so get excited about that. We'll ring in the new year uh, next Wednesday when the Magic take on the Houston Rockets, I believe. I believe they take on... No, they take on the Hawks first. They take on the Hawks next Wednesday. First home game of 2017. They'll be on the road to start 2017 with a back-to-back in Indiana and New York. Uh, So there's your schedule laid out in front of you. And if you didn't quite notice, that's Charlotte, Indiana, New York, Atlanta. Next four games are going to be absolutely critical to the Magic. Uh, some, Some... yeah, if you, if you follow soccer, they're veritable six-pointers. They're, they're games where you can make up ground directly against your competition. Obviously, the tiebreakers will come, in, come into play. These are big games for the Magic. Uh, hopefully, they can continue uh, some of the momentum that they've built up in the last two games and, and continue their, their kind of defensive resurgence. Well, We may talk a little bit more about that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. You can follow the podcast on Facebook. Give us a like. We, we we need some more likes on Facebook. I would like to see us get some more likes on Facebook. My New Year's resolution is to get us some more likes on Facebook. So find us on Facebook, Locked on Magic. Uh, post some post some you know some some content that that we discuss on the podcast on the Facebook page. So be sure to check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily. And if this conclusion is not long enough. You can download us on Audioboom, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher as well. With that, I'm going to close today's show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Once again, hope you enjoyed this conversation on this, the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast, episode 61, uh, Locked on Magic for December 28th, 2016. I will be back tomorrow with a complete recap of that game between the Orlando Magic and the Charlotte Hornets. Until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We will see you all tomorrow. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.